Herbert is being chased, throwing on the run, and it is caught! Touchdown! Keenan Allen! What a grab! That's what I'm talking about! Hey, that's what I'm talking about! That's the warrior spirit right there, boy! Huge sack by Joey Bosa! 90-yard touchdown! 90-yard touchdown! There's going to be picked off at the 8-yard line by Derwin James. Herbert sets his feet, takes a shot downfield, has Knighton. Caught! Touchdown, Chargers! That's the greatest throw I've ever seen. Woo-hoo-hoo! Let's go! And yes, welcome back to another jam-packed episode of the Thunder Down Under Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Andy Prophet. A big thank you again to all our listeners and viewers out there. As always, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and like the videos. It really helps us and is much appreciated. Uh, before I welcome the two of you gentlemen, a very special mention to our incredible mothers, uh, Margot, Annette and Lena, and all the wonderful, amazing mums out there on, uh, on what is Mother's Day today. So thank you to all for without you, we wouldn't be here. Boys, Amen. welcome back in Adelaide, Jack Reed. Have a few friends over this weekend, did ya? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How have you been since the draft? Over. How was your draft weekend? Uh, the draft weekend was actually, it was fairly quiet. Um, I've, obviously, some people have seen my draft reactions to some of the picks and uh, arguably I was more incensed and emotional at the players we didn't get yeah. than the player that we did, but uh, in the first round anyway. So, no, it was great. Um, yeah, last, it's been the first week of term, so scrambling a bit um, and it's gotten very cold here in Australia. Uh, maybe not as cold as it is in Melbourne, uh, but South Australia is definitely getting a little colder and a little more chilly. Uh, but no, it's been really good. I've had a great weekend um, seeing some family and people that we haven't seen in a while. So no, it's been awesome. Thank you. Excellent, mate. Good to hear. Yeah, it is, uh, has definitely taken a turn for the chilly uh, down in Melbourne. Um, alongside me in Melbourne, as I said, Alistair Lloyd, mate, we had a draft weekend for the ages. How was your experience? Oh. How was the week leading up to, to today? How has it been sinking in? Oh, didn't we ever. And again, you might have seen we've got a short video of some of our ludicrous uh, responses <laughs> to the Zion Johnson pick. A quick, quick happy Mother's Day from me. I'll also say happy Mother's Day to my mother-in-law-to-be, Linda, whose home I'm living in at the moment while we do some renovations. Not sure how many mothers there are listening today. You, we don't you, get just, that. you just hope she can hear you through the door while she's yeah, hanging about. Yeah, I know. I'll get, kick, I'll get Getting kicked out of the house points. in a second. Yeah, <laughs> but we don't, we don't get the breakdown of gender on our analytics on the, on the downloads. But let's assume we've got a few mums out there listening. Happy Mother's Day to you. And the draft weekend was just so much fun. Um, we, we take it pretty seriously. I, I juiced an entire watermelon um, and we brought over, like, I brought over 10 limes to Andy's place. Uh, nice, expensive tequila and triple sec. And we just sort of sat there making um, chili watermelon margaritas. And because of the draft, we were watching it on delay. We would just kind of pause every few picks to go and um, get ourselves a drink. And then we just had the perfect height and level of excitement when that pick 17 was called out and what a pick it was. And it's just going to be fun to talk about all these new Chargers plays with you both. Absolutely. Yeah, it was, um, it was a bit of... <laughs> Bit of a sad state watching us, uh, seeing us both watch day two a bit worse for wear the next morning. But um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was a very fun, fun night. It was uh, worth the hangover. Yeah, definitely. Well, every week uh, of this off season seems to get better and better. So without further ado, let's get stuck into today's show, the 2022 post lottery conversations. Now, last weekend, as we've said, 
saw the 2022 NFL draft take place in Las Vegas, Nevada. And no doubt there were plenty of Chargers punters running their luck on the roulette wheel at Caesars Palace long into the night celebrating the pick of Zion Johnson at 17 overall. Well, today we have our very own roulette wheel of Chargers. Today on Thunder Down Under, we'll introduce our new draft picks at the choice of the wheel. You ready, boys? Spin it, yep. Jack. Let's go. Here we go. First one. Dion let it cornerback Ole Miss. And there we go. Our first one. I'll take this one, boys. I put okay. my uh, I, I put my chips on that one there. So um, obviously, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know whether it's a, I don't know whether it's a winner or lose just yet, but we'll see. Yeah. Um, listen, what is there to say? There's not much to say, I guess, about a pick seven. I guess with uh, you know, sorry, round seven, pick number two hundred thirty six. Um, he's a cornerback. He's a Canadian. Um, you know, he's got elite speed. Um, I think this is a bit of a luxury, pure upside pick than anything. Um, I, from what I've watched of him, he's very, very raw. Um, and I see him kind of not necessarily even on, on our roster necessarily to start the season. For me, it's more of a, a, a practice squad player. Um, the only thing that kind of is kind of interesting that I that I thought was um, worthy because we I guess we want to spend a little bit more time on some of the higher picks, but um, he he didn't have any intercept interceptions playing as a rebel, so mm. just a little bit worried about that um, for, from a cornerback standpoint. So that's really it from me. Um, Al, what did you find out about our Mister Leonard? Tell you what, it wasn't easy finding information. I've kind of mined through everything I could possibly find. And as you said, he grew up in Canada. His dad played football in Canada. He played a couple of college years um, in Calgary, transferred over to Ole Miss. Uh, And I think this is just another example of, you know, it's a late round pick, take a flyer on athletic traits. And he's got those. He's six foot two. Um, He's got that 4.39 40 yard dash. So he's, he's got unusual height and speed dynamics. So it's have a flyer on a guy who can maybe contribute on special teams, maybe play a bit in the rotation. Although, as you said, Jack, perhaps he's battling for a roster spot. Um, What was good is PFF noted that he had the most red zone coverage snaps in all of Mm. college football last year without allowing a touchdown. Mm. So that's something to hang his head on. Although, as you said, Jack, he had zero interceptions in his college career. So this time of the draft, you're banking on something. You're usually going with someone someone with the speed that you take a flyer on. Staley likes his DBs, as we've said. So we'll see what we can expect from Dean Leonard out of Ole Miss. Andy? Yeah, look, I'll I'll touch um, touch on my thoughts that are the only thing outside of what you guys have hit on this guy with the um, Jasir Taylor pick as well. And I think it's just that competition for depth and, you know, Staley mm-hmm. loves his DBs. So, you know, it's a... A flyer on a seventh, and who knows if it hits, then great. But that's all I'll I think. Say. I think after that Texans game, I think he's just said, "This will never happen to me again." Mm-mm. When I need to, <laughs> I need to feel guys like Essie yeah. Bissau or what his, his name was, and friggin' yeah. Tavon Campbell and these back of the roster guys. He's mm-hmm. saying, "Nah, I'm going to pick the ones I want." If we end, ever end up in that situation again, yeah. And and ultimately, he's just. I mean, not to. We won't. We won't spend too much longer here. Um, but yeah, ultimately, he's looking for those, that elite speed, that coverage, the guys that can fly around and just protect the top of that defense as well. Yeah. Those, you know, underneath that roof, you know, do we need, are we looking for guys with these incredible instincts and, 
you know, that are rangy and long and can jump routes. Yes, we are. But are we going to find them at pick number 236? Probably not. Mm. Yeah. Yep. Bank on the cool. upside. Yep. All right. Spin the wheel again. Let's go. Spin it, Jack. Hey, it's Isaiah Spiller running back. Texas A&M. All right, I get Isaiah Spiller, who's pick 123, our fourth round pick. And I like uh, that this has been assigned to me because I did look into the running backs quite a bit before the draft. And I'll be frank with you listeners, my, my gut reaction when the name was read out is I was, it was like the, the air let out of a balloon. I was initially disappointed. And the reason why is just there wasn't a lot of hype around him in the lead up to the draft. It seemed like after some initial buzz, people had really cooled on him. So I've had to really dig back into the tape and his measurables and try to to find some silver lining. And for me, what was a bit of a a, a rain cloud to start off um, day three of the draft. So some positives about Spiller. He was a very nationally recognized running back coming out of high school, grew up in Texas. Dad played for Texas A&M. So he decided to sign with with the Aggies as a college player. And he basically performed every single year in Jimbo Fisher's offense as a three down back. He basically had a thousand yards every year. Um, He pass protects well. It's a pro style offense. Um, He catches out of the backfield quite well. And he had about 3,000 rushing yards in his career, 25-odd touchdowns. So the production is there. And having looked at him a bit more carefully, he does a few things uniquely well. When, when he's actually out in space, he's got some really nice jump cut ability. He has nice vision. And he does seem to get the most out of his, out of his runs. So I think the fourth round's about the right spot for a running back. I was wondering if this was the guy I would have taken. Maybe yes, maybe no. But if you're looking for a compliment to Austin Eckler, he is that 215 pounds that we wanted. Mm. He's a bigger guy at six foot. He is a hell of a lot better with respect than Josh Kelly, who we took in the fourth round a couple of years ago. So this is a guy a lot of people think could, thought could go in rounds two or three. Ends up going in round four. Very strong college career. So all of that's good. My only concern about him is out of all of the running backs who attended the combine, he tied dead last for the broad jump out of every running back tested and second last for the vertical jump. And his 40-yard dash was pretty slow. And I know that PFF speak about this quite a lot. They've actually shown with correlating testing times to future success in the NFL, that there's almost no better trait to projection in the NFL than looking at a running back, how they go in their 10-yard dash and how they go in their broad jump. Because it's that explosiveness off the first 10 yards. Mm. And Spiller was really low, dead last in his class. And what I worry about is when you project into the NFL, does this mean we're going to see a whole lot of one-yard and two-yard carries where he can't get to the next level because he just doesn't have the juice for the NFL. Yeah, so that's all I'll say. Um, yeah. That doesn't have the burst. But it looks like he's patient and he sees the field relatively well. He does a bit of everything. Could develop into an every down back. What, what do you reckon, Andy? I know I, I went on a bit there, but, that, but uh, I, I, had to, I had to make myself feel better about that pick because initially I yeah. was sad. Yeah, I th- yeah well, I, I thought it was an interesting pick and uh, I was kind of running off of your steam about the, mm. the running backs that you'd um, analysed bef- heading into the draft and he wasn't 
wasn't really high up there so it was a bit of okay we're gonna have to digest this one and you've you've hit it pretty well and i'm glad you've sort of come around because i kind of have as well uh he he looks like an intelligent runner he might not have that burst but he does seem to find his lanes and um he's got an elusive kind of stutter step and yep um i do think he has good good traits uh does fight for extra yardage he has a tendency to fall forwards so Mm -hmm. um and he can break arm tackles as well so it doesn't just sort of go down easily on first tackles so um, yeah, I don't know. I, I missed if you said that there was the Melvin Gordon comparison, but I see better things than the sort of Melvin Gordon traits, mm. um, who had that kind of hesitation in the hole, but yes. I think there's a bit more decisiveness in the way that Isaiah Spiller runs. I think he'll lack Melvin Gordon's speed when he mm. is through. Yeah, Melvin he- Gordon had that speed when he was clear. I don't yeah. think Spiller necessarily has that, yeah. but, um, otherwise I agree. There are some similarities in how he runs. I thought. Yeah. I, I think we've just got to be careful in terms of looking at the projection of PFF because we've got to think this guy's really young too. Yeah. So he's, he's, he's 21 years old, which means yeah. that, you know, he's, he's not he's even com- man. He hasn't even turned yeah. 21. You're mm. so you're right. So he's coming out as a sophomore and you got to think that those final two years of college, when you play into your senior year, you've got another two years in the weight room. You've got another two years of development as well. So in my mind, I'm not too concerned about his measurables and his speed because I still think there's growth there. We're not picking up a back that is has topped out, that's a great and point. we're seeing. So, so I think there's that that's got to be taken into account too. Um, my, I'm an English teacher, and my reaction to this pick was uh, inspired. Well, inspired inside of me when I went introspective. Um, one of my favourite poets, and sorry to get a little. Uh, English preachy here, but I'm going to read out um, Robert Frost's poem called Fire and Ice, and I'll tell you why. Some say the world will end in fire, some say in ice. From what I've tasted of desire, I hold with those who favour fire. But if it had to perish twice, I think I know enough of hate to say that for destruction, ice is also great and would suffice. Um, If you don't know that, you've just listened to arguably one of the greatest poets of the 20th century. Um, interestingly, this poem was penned after, after World War I, and it's all about juxtaposition. And when I thought of juxtaposition, I think of complementary running backs. And we've been trying to find the complementary running back for Austin Eckler for three or four years now. Here, here. And I think that in linking with what I said about Spiller's age is that we haven't found a, guy, as I said, guy that's topped out. He's got two years to develop that speed, that strength. Mixed in with his, the fact that he might need a few touches, I see it as that as Eckler perhaps starts to get more and more uh, yards on him and perhaps isn't um, as a focus, I'm not saying for next year, but maybe in the next 18 to 24 months, hopefully we see Spiller not only developing as a, as a player, but also physically. And I think if you look at Eckler's development physically as well, he's, he's, he's just so strong. And so if he, if Spiller's learning from Eckler in the weight room, I think that's one of the most positive things to come out of this. It's a great point, man. Mm. And, and I do just want to say, I'm on board him as a guy. If you listen to his interviews, he's a lovely kid. Oh, he's yeah. really Good Morning humble. Football. He put yeah. in a great shift on Good Morning Football, I thought. Yeah. That's a big show. And he yeah. said his, his dad said he grew up in the church, all that kind of thing. So it looks like a good kid. So yeah, I've, I'm not going to judge this guy. I've never seen him. Hopefully he kills yeah. him. And his dad played uh, for, he played tight end for Texas A&M. So there you yeah, go. Yeah. So another, another, another guy who's been around it for a while. Cool. All right. Awesome. Spin the wheel, Jack. Right. Spin the wheel. Here we go. 
Amari Salia, Offensive Guard, Georgia. Oh, I'll take this one. Jamari Salia, I'm really happy to welcome this very likable big man to the Chargers trenches. Six foot three, 321 pounds, um, 31 bench press reps, second most at the combine. Um, hometown of Atlanta, Georgia, played high school ball with Andrew Thomas, the Giants OT, at Pace Academy. Um, he was a five-star national recruit at a high school, uh, the, the nation's top guard recruit. Played 47 games for Georgia, um, 23 starting, and through these four years, 2018 to 2021, allowing only one sack in his career. So that's from about 750 pass protection snaps. Crazy. Crazy. Um, He's a very powerful guy, but he's a waist bender, which might pose trouble at the pro level. Struggles to locate in space playing at tackle. Um, His tape from the Orange Bowl against Michigan was really good fun, showing him Mm. hold his own against the likes of Hutchison and David Ajabo. That was really good fun. Um, Attended the Senior Bowl, put in a good week at guard, but sort of struggled at tackle. And um, after returning, yeah, returning to Georgia for his senior year in 21, winning the national championship. So Staley Mm. sees uh, a really good, uh, like, guy to – he's trained all year against the Bulldogs – D-line, you know, Wyatt, yep. Davis, Dean, Walker. Uh, at the moment, he's a good developmental piece um, for, our, for our line. He, he's a bit raw still, and um, I think he'll play more sort of inside to start out with, and hopefully we can um, get some good use out of him. I think he's a good steal in the, um, the sixth round. Crazy. Um, and he's, he's going to play with a chip on his shoulder um, for, for where he was picked. So, yeah, it's awesome. I'm really excited to see... See this guy get get some snaps in with Jaimez as well, mm-hmm. and move out Pipkins and Norton. Uh, Jack, any any thoughts on you love you love your O line guys? I do, and I'm going to return to poetry again. Um, <laughs> a diamond in the rough is a diamond sure enough, and before it ever sparkles, it is made of diamond stuff. But someone who has who has to find it. But someone has to find it or it will never be found. And someone has to grind it or it will never be ground. That's excellent. Who wrote that one? uh, That was a guy that I just found on poetry.com called Bradley Ray Wardle. Shout out to Bradley Ray Wardle. Cheers, Bradley. That was great. Um, And that pretty much much captures what I perceive as Jamari Slayer. I think Mm, he is a real project. He's got raw power, yeah. which I think, um, you know, we're going to have to really work on to, to control and to get some technique in there. He played with Andrew Thomas, which is who's a, who's a first rounder. So he's been around a, a really high performing program. Yep. Yep. Um, I think he's versatile. He's played at all five spots across the line. Um, I, I do worry why he slid so far because for me, he was someone that I'd be looking at in the third or fourth. Yeah. So for him to get down to ramp pick one nine five, I do wonder why. Yeah. Interestingly enough, and before I throw to you, Alistair, I mm. thought this was quite a little tidbit. I'm not sure if anyone found it, but halfway through the the national championship game, arguably the biggest game of his career, he slid from left tackle to right guard in the middle of the game. So he was asked to do something you know, to, to transition from a spot in, in essentially in the middle of battle. And I think if you can do that in arguably the biggest game in the NCAA yeah. uh, college schedule, then I'm sneaky happy with this guy. I'm yeah. sneaky mm. happy. I like him. Seems yeah. like a really nice dude too. Yeah. What do you think, Al? 
Uh, I'm going to call it. This will end up being Telesco's best ever sixth round draft pick, and it will be his, it will be his best ever late round draft pick. Because, awesome. as you said, he brings so much to the table for a guy you're taking at that point. He like it's the best conference in college football. He's played lots and lots against the best rushers in the SEC, given up one sack his entire college career. Crazy. I mean, you put the question, why has he fallen to the sixth round? And I think the simple answer is his relative athletic testing. It projects down at the 40th percentile or something like that. So again, with Spiller, the the question is when he plays at the next level, uh, is he going to be found out because of his lack of athleticism? He has these incredibly strong, heavy hands demonstrated by his bench press so he's mm. strong as an ox but it's probably unlikely that he could survive out on the on, on an island at tackle because yeah. those uber athletes and bendy guys in the nfl are going to cause him grief you yeah. slide him inside a, at guard mm. and he might have a fighting chance i mean if he, it's probably better when we're running power and that kind of gap scheme rather than out in space and zone i reckon he's probably going to struggle out in space i agree yep but Definitely. it's the sixth it's the freaking sixth round yeah. and we've just <laughs> Like, and you know what? We're not asking this guy to start either. No. That's the thing. You know, I, I think traditionally and historically, you know, this is the kind of guy that we get really excited about, and we want him to start straight away because our line's been, our offensive line's been an absolute mess for a number of years. Um, but he, he can happily sit behind uh, Filer. He can yep. sit behind um, Johnson. He can sit behind all these guys. Yep. Uh, Heimers, as you pointed out, Andy. Um, and he just gives him time. And you picked up on a really good one from the tape that I watched of him. I think against power-based athletes, mm. you know, those interior D linemen, those big heavy bull rush, I think he'll be okay. Yeah. yeah. The minute you put him on an island against a guy that can yeah. bend um, or has really exceptional technique, yeah, I think that's where he'll, get sh- he'll, yep. he'll, really, he'll really struggle. So. Or maybe he won't because he faced those guys in college and gave up one sack. So, I mean, sixth round... Yeah. What a, I can't recall us ever bringing in a guy with this level of production at college against this quality of opposition and bringing him in as a backup. I mean, yeah. we were drafting guys like Chris Watt and Max Twerk who didn't yep. have this kind of production to, you know, start at centre. Yeah. It's just, we're and in a different universe as Chargers fans. Yeah. Mm. And, then, and then Trey Pipkins in the third. <laughs> yeah. Like, so we were I actually mean, spending, we're spending higher picks on absolute flops. And this, yeah. this and is this Staley. Is a, this is a prospect in the sixth. And he's got, good, he's got really good connections this with is Kirby Smart yeah. and the Georgia coaching staff. Staley exactly. spoke about that. Yeah, We're looking for, sure. for national champion winners. Yep. I mean, that's what you want to build a championship program at the yep. NFL level. We take this guy in the sixth round. Like you said, seems like a really awesome guy as well. Yep. So yep. We, lo- we love this pick. It sounds like we're singing from the same hymn book on this one. Oh, yeah. Jamari Solia, we're looking forward to it. And funnily enough, I thought his name was Jamari Slayer, which is why I, I just moved. You've got that one L. of those already, right? A wide receiver. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. We already have a Slayer. Uh, are we spinning the wheel again, boys? Yeah. Yep. Let's go. Here we go. Yeah, g'day, mate. It's Jasir Taylor, quarterback, Wagon Forest. And there we go. All right. It looks like I've, 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 I've put my chips on him again. I'm having a pretty bad uh, wheel spin. <laughs> You're getting um, the late round beauties, mate. I'm, I'm getting the late round beauties. Got another poem about diamonds in the rough. <laughs> Unfortunately, not for these guys. I've got, I got a couple more poems, though. Mate, we're uh, getting the but, wheat. You're getting the chaff at the moment. It's just yeah, how it happens when you gamble. Mugs game sometimes. That, that's what happens anyway. Uh, Jasir Taylor, Wake Forest, 5'11". Um, 
188 pounds. He's not a big fella. Um, pro day, he ran a 4.3940. He's got a 37-inch vertical. He's a track star. He's an athlete. Um, he's a speed demon. He's got the return capability. Um, we're not going to spend too much time on this guy, I assume, because it's very much in the similar mould as, as Leonard. You know, we're looking for these athletes. We're looking for these guys that can, um, that can just zip around the field, uh, whether it be at corner or on special teams. Funnily enough, uh, he was the first ever Wake Forest player to return a kick and an interception for a TD in the mm. same game, yeah. which is mm. fun. So uh, wherever this guy sits, again, I think I that was the extent him. of his highlights package. Was that yeah. those two plays <laughs> from was it, seventeen basically. different angles going? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> how many? How many times has he done this? Oh, same yeah, one. Um, same okay. play. <laughs> same one. But good so, on him. They're awesome. But yeah. Yeah. So I don't know what that tells you, but um, that, that's kind of all I had here. Uh, Alistair, did you have anything on Jasir Taylor? Anything yeah. to add to that? I'm going to hit a couple of points. Uh, interesting that he played for five years at college, 2,500 snaps. Mm. So we're talking a seriously experienced corner and he yeah. did a bit of everything. He, they blitzed him off the edge. He played in coverage. He was okay against the run. And so that's nice. He's got flexibility. He's a two-time captain. So again, we're talking about a leader. Uh, and how he picked this guy up, I thought it was interesting. He got practice player of the week at the East-West Shrine Bowl. So we sent some coaches there to have a look at him. And Staley basically acknowledged that this is a Ryan Ficken pick, our new special teams coordinator. And he right. did a lot of work on him from a special teams standpoint. And cool. I know Ficken, when he was with the Vikings, he really focused on making that, that team a lot younger. And I think what we're doing is clearing out all this old garbage from the yep. previous regimes. And Ficken saying... I, I want a few guys who I know, if even them, they might not see the field a lot, they're going to become very worthwhile special, te special teams guys. And this is a dude who would have done it at college, very experienced at the college level. And he has those athletic traits, like you said, Jack. He's no slouch. He's, he's quite a, like a juiced up guy. So sixth round again, I, I'm happy with the pick. I approve. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he seems like a humble, a humble guy, high character dude. So, yep, he just seems like another Staley pick like i said yep. uh for the leonard one seems like a competition combo this pick and that pick just to sort yeah, of love it go yep one of you one of you should hit and by hit i mean get a roster spot and it means mm. if it gets rid of a mark webb then i don't mind healthy competition especially in that important part of staley's defense yeah so. But just the speed we're picking up on special mm. teams is outrageous. We've never had it. It's just oh, we've we've got, never we've never had just it, and have bullets flying everywhere. It's very oh, exciting. it's very it's exciting. and yeah, bullets that are not Jaleel Adai who are breaking people's legs oh. and just blowing coverages. Hopefully, um, <laughs> but I mean, it is. It's it's you know that if we can get it, I think I've said it before on a pod. You know, you're removing if you can get ten yards off every return, and you have you might the, the, the opposition might take, you know, five or six return kicks. You are getting fifty, sixty yards of that hidden yardage. Um so let's I love it. Ryan Ryan Ficken, good stuff. Um am I spinning the wheel? Spin the wheel mate. Alright, here we go. Where All right, are what am I gonna get? Who are we betting on? JT Wood safety Baylor University. Oh, I hit it. Ding, 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 ding. I'll take the money. Thank you very much. JT Woods, the safety out of Baylor. Uh, this is interesting because this pick in time could kind of make or break this draft class in a sense because, okay. uh, you know, he's, he's a little polarizing. Some people didn't like the pick. Other people um, appreciated it. I probably sat somewhere in the middle. 
Uh, again, with JT Woods, we're looking at a, an, an athletic freak. But this guy, this is a serious athletic freak. So he ran track for the Baylor Bears. Baylor have a famous track team in the in college. He he ran like a ten point seven hundred meters stat, um, hundred meter sprint um, at the combine. He was uh, the best vertical jumper out of the entire safety group. The he second was. best in terms of the forty. So he ran a four point three six forty. So we're talking about fast. a guy who flat out flies, and at six foot two, one hundred ninety five pounds. Slightly light for a safety, so not huge, but to be six foot two and fly like that, that's awesome. And what Davey said is he's got rare DB stuff. That's how Staley described this guy. Rare DB stuff. He flied around. <laughs> the technical term for it. Yes, technical. He played a Baylor that had that juiced up secondary with Jalen Petrie. So Petrie really played in the box in that slot. JT Woods was further back in space patrolling the field with his elite speed. Led college football in interceptions last year with six picks. No dropped INTs in his entire college career. Mm. So this is a guy who makes plays. Now, they say that the Big 12 quarterback play is pretty bad. And if you watch mm. the highlights, some of them are overthrows and all sorts of awful yeah. quarterback decisions. You've got to make them, though. You've got to make them. Exactly. And one of, the, one of the catches he took was beautiful. Oh, like well, a, it was basically a mark in AFL for yeah. us um, <clears throat> Aussie boys. So, uh, uh, look, uh, at the third round, you're looking for someone who projects and could develop into um, a starter at some point in the future. I think he has the ability. When I looked at his tape, I had that Kenny Rogers song that came to mind, The Gambler. Mm. You gotta know when to hold hold him. him. Because he needs to learn the consequences of his damn actions. Because this guy just flies, he flies around. When he sees it, he goes. But sometimes he gives up plays over the top of his head. And that's something that hopefully Staley and Ronaldo Hill and those guys can can teach up and train. Um, missed tackles was a bit of a problem for him in college, but uh, his actual coverage work was fantastic. The passer rating he allowed was in the 50s and all those interceptions as, as we saw. So this is another one where at the time I thought, ooh, JT Woods, is, is that a round too early? But then I heard him interviewed. He's really smart. He actually got... Um, uh, offers to go to Ivy League schools before he actually decided to go to Baylor. So he's a smart guy. And what he's going to do, we hope, is unlock Derwin to play in the box. And this is also preparing for the fact that Nazir Adderley is a free agent at the end of 2022. We need another safety. So I understand the well, the thought process that led to this pick. So that's what, what I've got to say about JT Woods. So you got anything yeah. to, add, to add on top of that, Andy? Yeah, well, I think you make a really good point about um, this pick, how this turns out make or breaking this draft class because safety is probably a luxury without having a second to be our second overall pick in the draft. But his measurables are fantastic. And like you said, Jack, you you can knock him for a lot of a few of those picks being overthrows and stuff, but hey, you got to take your chances and you got to – he's not dropping – if they come in his way, he's climbing over everyone and he's making those plays. So, um, and if, and once he catches the ball, he go. Oh yeah, he out. He goes. Touching touchin him. Tuck and gone. So, <clears throat> I yeah, I'm I'm coming around more and more to this pick. I was a bit sort of flat when it was a safety, but um, oh look, this is a real in Staley we trust kind of pick, yeah. and I'll I'll ride this one in. So, yeah, about it, Jack. Anything further to add on JT Woods? Oh yes, I do, and. This is more poetry, per, per chance. This is more poetry, Ooh, and we my are year twelve today. My, my year twelve literature teacher, Mr. John Allen, uh, would be very, very proud of me for thinking of this poet and poem 
to kind of, I think it really symbolizes and is a metaphor for what Staley's trying to do. And it is the very famous No Man is an Island by John Donne. Now, I won't read the whole poem, but I'll just read the first two, the, the first two verses. No man is an island entire of itself. Every man is a piece of the continent as a part of the main. If a clod be washed away by the sea, Europe is the less, as well as if a promontory were, as well as if a manner of thy friends. So that's about 400 years old. And what yeah. that is a metaphor uh, for is calling for unity and the whole idea of, you know, we've all got to be together, even though we're, you know, from different countries, different backgrounds. Um, we've actually all got a, got a it's, it's the joy of life uh, is about bringing us together and, and, and talking and discussing. You know, we, we want unity in, in our society. And I see Staley, this is what he's trying to do. There is unity and understanding in every one of these picks. And when we start to rationalize it from a wider lens, yes, I wasn't super excited about the JT Woods pick either. It is a boom or bust for our defense, but it's just starting to make sense. Everything yeah. is becoming unified. Yeah. Um, I think that you sit JT Woods behind Derwin James for six months he learns very quickly the accountability of not blowing coverages. Yep. Plain yeah. and simple. Or if anything, within two days, Derwin James just goes, hey, dude, don't do that. And he goes, yeah. okay. Because yeah. Derwin James you better not clodding. You better not clodding do that again. <laughs> <laughs> so I, and, and that, that poem, I think, yeah, really signifies for me where Staley's trying to go. It's no man is an island. Don't rely on one or two people to do everything. Mm. And we're trying to unlock DJ to yep. be that unifying force in the middle of the defense. Yep. There's my literature. That's beautiful, Jack. Awesome. Well done. Really enjoyed that. Next, let's hit it. All right, here we go. Spin the wheel. All right, I'm putting it on red. You're up putting now, Andy. Putting on red. Who we got? Who is it? All right, then. We've got Otito Obonia. Oh. Defensive tackle, mm. UCLA. Uh, All right, the big boy from the Bruins. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'm lucky I've got got him because he's another another bench press guy. Uh, 29 yeah. reps, big boy, big strong boy. Fifth overall at the combine, first amongst defensive linemen. Uh, although uh, 5:31:40 time and sort of below average testing on the RAS, the rel- relative athletic score. Um, you know, it just sort of limits the the starting capabilities for this guy, I think. But yeah. um, he was a three-star high school recruit from Houston, Texas, uh, born to Nigerian parents. I think we saw him come out with the – maybe not. Uh, I thought he had the green sort of on his on his get-up. Yeah, that's anyway, right. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, like I said, 37 games for the Bruins from 2018 to 21. Um He's, a, yeah, like I said, a big, strong, heavy-handed guy. I think he can squat close to 700 pounds. Uh, yeah. Seriously, Luke. it was about 700 pounds. That's, That's outrageous. outrageous. Uh, ridiculously <laughs> big boy. Ridiculously big boy. Um, <clears throat> where are we? Sorry, guys. Uh, yeah, like right. I said, um, mostly lined up in the B gap, uh, only having a single season as a full-time starter in 2021. Never missed yep. a game through injury, so I do like the the durability of this guy. And look, yeah, like right. I said, he's he's going to be a developmental piece starting on the inside. Um, I might be able to bring him into that sort of nose role, but yeah, no pass rush mm. moves really. So, um, 
rotational kind of in, interior piece for me. Um, yeah, mm. not really here nor there about the pick. Uh, he seems like a nice guy. Um, loves to cook. Very passionate cook. And one thing I noticed that was pretty fun was him discussing smoking meats with Herbert. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, interviewed well, thoughtful answers. Yeah. Um, he's friends with Josh Kelly, also a former Bruin. I uh, don't know how long he'll be there, but um, hopefully not that long. Uh, but yeah. Um, <laughs> Jack, any any thoughts on uh, an, I know what Jack's going to say. I've uh, got a feeling what Jack will oh, eventually raise for consideration about the big man. Oh, perhaps. perhaps. Well, I, I, maybe not. I mean, and you're more than welcome to if I don't. But I, I do disagree, Andy, about in terms of pass rush. Um, mm-hmm. From the tape that I've watched, I actually think he's got quite good bull rush potential because he's mm-hmm. so good. Mm-hmm. So big, I should say. He, ha- he did play a little bit on the outside or was asked to at times. And I mean, listen, he, he got to the quarterback and was, was able to get there on certain... Um, certain situations, but I think you're right. He's kicking inside. He's a good depth piece. I thought something really interesting. And I, when I, when I look at um, Obonia, I think of Justin Jones. So I just did a little bit of a, a quick compare there oh, good um, but, but between the two, because they're eerily similar. Um, you know, Justin Jones was 6'3", 309 coming out of college. He needed to drop weight because he was flabby. Um, he, wasn't pati- he wasn't in that, uh, that stalwart uh, sort of that nose defender. So um, if anything, he was actually almost under, uh, he, was, he, was, he was underprepared to play in the interior in the NFL. Obonia is 6'4", 324. So he's a, he's, he's a bit taller and a bit heavier, but I think the weight disparity is actually more than that. And I think it's the, the strength is there with Obonia. Yeah. Um, and what's really interesting is that the draft grade, uh, the pre-draft grade was given to Justin Jones was 5.90 off of NFL.com. And Obonia is drafted as the grade is 5.97. Now, the elephant in the room, or should I say the big boy in the room, um, is that Obonia is obviously round five, pick 160. Mm. Justin Jones was pick three, 120. So we're getting a better prospect. On at, paper, yeah. On paper. And ha- but that just shows what a, what a perfect example of how far we're coming as a football team. Yeah. Because... Be- it's 100%. And I thought that was fascinating because I, I did. When I heard Obonia and I looked at him, I then went, oh, let's have a look at when the last time we did draft relatively high defensive tackle. Um, and I think we're on a – him and SJD are going to hopefully cook up something, something nice, which mm. is good. Al, what do you think? Well, oh, prof- Modi, I was actually going to jump in and just say if you revert back to last, last episode when we discussed Telesco and how he's sort of failed at – drafting the trenches where we've spent picks too high and they're just not the prospects that you look at and go, that's what we need. Cause we were looking to draft guys to start straight away because we'd organize it so poorly. Now we're seeing Telesco draft trench guys later who, yeah, they can be developmental pieces because we have yeah. the luxury to be able to teach them and give them time. Correct. And it's hundred percent. So oh, well put. The, yeah. So well put yeah. Andy. Far away. Yeah. Al. Sorry. I just I need, I needed that before it disappeared. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, my memory fleets. <laughs> I I loved that. I, what I find most interesting about this pick, it seems to be the first guy. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. Where Staley has chosen his preferred defensive lineman candidate as a draft pick. Mm. It seems like this is a Staley guy. They did a lot of work with him. They said that they worked him out at the Senior Bowl. Uh, Jay Rogers and Johnny Timu from our staff worked him out at his pro day. Then we brought him to our local pro day. So if you listen to Obonia, he basically says he had a really strong hunch the Chargers were going to take him. 
And Staley says, this is the guy, kind of guy I'm looking for on the inside. Because I think what you said, Jack, is right. He played a lot in the three-tech um, in that B gap at college. You probably, he might struggle to hold up in the nose directly over shading over the center. So, but I think Staley wants to play him in multiple spots, take advantage mm. to some of the possible pass rush upside, build on that strength profile, as you said, and he's going to have that space to grow and evolve because he's not coming in and being asked to start straight away. He's going to be part of a rotation and he'll play when he's ready. Really interested to see how this guy develops. Mm. Um, again, I- he sounds like quite a smart smart operator as well, relatively um, yeah. switched on. Yeah. Andy, I just wanted to just hone in and I'm not patting you. Like I know some people think we pat each other on the back so much in this podcast, but we're all about positivity here. But the way You're that you dickhead, just- You're a Jack, I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, the balance of scales. But the way that you just, you just said it is we have the luxury to develop these guys. We're not asking yeah. him to come in and play nose tackle and stop yeah. Derek Henry. Yeah. And block yeah. And, and, you know, and, and which is great. And I think it's fantastic. Shit, and yeah. I think that's such a key <laughs> shift from where we're at because then it shifts our mindset as analysts or people that follow the charges of expectations, hmm. not putting this huge expectation on a 22 year old to go and, you know, bull rush and try and get to quarterbacks and stop yeah, the run. Yeah. Fantastically put. Yeah. All right. Now, we the one thing I wanted to say before oh. we move on, Jack, and I thought you might bring it up. This guy threw shot put. And he, oh, did he? Yeah, oh, I didn't know that. Actually, I actually yeah. left that for you. I was like, oh, oh I was ready to send him a shot putter. So, so he threw a shot put for USLA, U, um, CLA, UCLA, UCLA track and field. And he won the event. He won the 2019 Pan American under 20 championships in Costa Rica as the best shot putter in the fucking country. Sorry, in the country. <laughs> so I'm getting fantastic. excited. I don't run. I don't do shot put. But Jack, as of course, was a fantastic shot putter at a high school. Uh, himself. Well, so I, I guess what that means is that he's got fantastic footwork and he understands the strength tree. Yep. So um, that, that's really fantastic. Awesome. Yep. Moving on. Awesome. All right, here we go. Two left, I think. If I get if I get a if I get a crap one again, I'm going to be very annoyed. It's Horvath or Zion Johnson. Uh, oh. Breaking news here today, ladies and gentlemen. Breaking news: The Chargers select Xander Horvath. Fullback, oh. Purdue University. That is all. Oh, uh, wow. I've, I have really, I've, I've gone to Las Vegas and I think in this I've lucked out. Uh, sorry, not lucked out. I'm leaving with nothing. The house is yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Anyway, Xander Horvath. Immediately I go Shanahan. I go Cole Jusek. Cole mm. Ju- Fuck, Yus- how do you say his name? Yusek. Yusek. There we go. Um, I think of versatility. I think of, uh, then I think of Derek Watt, who was our last fullback. And then I think that's crap. But I then sort of started to do a little bit of reading about him. And, you know, he's uber athletic yeah. from everything that I saw. Um, and he's uber athletic in terms of a fullback. Uh, he's, not just a, he's not just a run it down the guts, um, ground and pound, which can go two ways in, in the NFL. Um, it, you just need to be used properly. Um, the, the interesting thing is that he went to Purdue and with him in the Purdue uniform, you think of Mike Allstott immediately. And that was the connection. And I went, I'll start up the gut. But I don't think he's that, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah. I don't think he's going to be used like that either. He's a pass catcher. I think you're getting at, at in round seven, pick 260, literally one of the last picks of the drafts. He's close to, close to being the last, the last guy. I think you're getting a guy that wants to play football. Is he going to make the roster? And how does he sit in the 
the running back room. I, I don't know. I can't remember the last time seeing the Chargers play a fullback formation. He did have a priority undrafted free agency rating from NFL.com. So, but literally, if you're being picked at 260, that's essentially an undrafted free agent. It's a third yeah. last so, pick. Yeah, yeah. Um, the one thing out of all the strengths and weaknesses that I also read uh, that worries me is that he lacks in, uh, consistent aggression to be a fullback in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know what that looks like. If that's a character thing, I have no doubt that Staley will be able to uh, utilize and, and grow that if he lacks aggressiveness. I don't know what that means. Yeah. But if he's, in the, if he's in the mold of an L-stop and we just want him to run it and bash bodies, then he's probably not going to be very effective. So I'm really excited to see how he's going to be utilized. Alistair, what say you? Yeah, I don't think he's that. I think he's, he's a fullback by name. But if you look at him and watch the highlights, he doesn't really run with full violence. He is more yeah. athletic. Yeah. He pass protects, pass catches. Um, he's a rare athlete. He's another one of these athletic guys. Out of every running back graded since the 80s, his relative athletic score places him 29th out of 1,600. Yes. They gave him a 9.83 score out of 10. So we're talking full athletic freak. And I, I think he does make the roster because we had like Gabe Neighbors the last couple of years. I think he'll get a late roster spot. He'll play a lot of special teams, maybe some short yardage stuff, but we should be able to sprinkle him into the offense every now and then because he can catch it. He's pretty athletic in space and he might not necessarily thump that, you know, fourth and one that well. Maybe that's something he can work on, but I quite enjoyed watching his highlights. I thought it was fun. When you look at Purdue, Purdue they always produce really tough, rugged, mm. hard-nosed football players. And this is a perfect back of the roster guy, in my opinion. Yeah. Andy? Yeah. Uh, that highlight of him, that hurdle was, mm. was awesome. Oh, so, yeah. That's good. Like you said, a really athletic runner. Um, I I see the the body size as a as a really good blocking uh, unit of a human. Um, I, Staley's big on his versatility, blocking special teams. He played linebacker in high school as well, so I think that's really he's he's a big guy. Like he's um, and he's he's really tough on himself as well. He he's all about team first. I think he studied construction management, um, so relatively intelligent. So yeah, he's just one of your boys, Andy. He's one mm. of his, yeah. He's one of <clears throat> yours. Well, a couple of things though on the knock. Um, he did suffer a broken leg last year, missed five games, and according to Lance Zerline, has a troubling fumble rate. So just things to consider. But I don't think yep. we'll be looking too much for him to be the rock carrier. Um, I see a lot of. Uh, special team stuff for this guy. Um, well, what we does. did with Steven Anderson last year, yeah. when you line him up in the eye as a fullback yep. on a play action, he goes up the seam. Yep. Maybe you get a chunk play once or twice for the season. Yeah. In a, in a crucial spot, that's what you need. You need something different and he just brings something different, yep. which is good. Cool. All right. All right well, we, we kind of know, we kind of know where it's landing, but uh, let's spin it anyway. Johnson, offensive guard, Boston College. I, I think Jack might have been watching The Departed over the weekend or something. It might be Goodwill Hunting. That's a very good accent on Boston College. Oh, be uh, careful. Be careful saying good because you might have some listeners that might disagree with yeah, that. But okay. that's right. Humbly yeah, okay. Humbly disagree in the comments. Uh, Zion Johnson is obviously going to be the most exciting and talked about pick of this crop and for good reason. 
he is like the poster child of what you want from a first round guard in terms of his production, his smarts, his cognition. I've been blown away by how comfortable he is in front of the camera. Um, the leadership he seems to just, just oozes out of him. Uh, he's an athletic freak. He had the most bench presses at the combine mm-hmm. out of everybody. So, I mean, he's got strength. He's that phone booth guard who you think is going to kind of sit in there and just hold up next to Lindsley, just like what you would expect. Maybe he's another guy where the lateral agility may be a bit questionable. So, again, I think you might find in the zone running scheme, he might struggle a little getting to the NFL level out on, you know, outside zone runs, that kind of thing. But he is a guy I think we can plug straight in at left guard. Um, He has had a lot of experience as well playing at left tackle for Boston College. So he played an entire season at left tackle in 2020. Mm. And he's another guy who only allowed three sacks in his entire college career, Mm. over a thousand snaps in pass protection, three sacks. So I I just like everything I've heard about this guy. I mean, in... In his intro press, he was talking about his degree in computer science, his master's in cybersecurity. He's talking about international law in his presser. That's my language, man. A bit of use cogens, peremptory norms. He was just getting straight into the detail. And uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing this guy. It's a smart pick. It's It was definitely a need, and it fills that kind of best player available and need at the same time, which is why it prompted the reaction it did from Andy and myself, which you can view on YouTube. Uh, absolutely embarrassing. Andy, what did you think of the Zion Johnson pick? I know what you thought, because we spoke about it for about three hours into the wee hours of the morning last Friday. We did. I'm not remotely embarrassed by that. We were well, we were well fueled up and hydrated. So, And if you couldn't hear in that snippet of the video, I yell out, Oh, thank God. It could have been so much worse. Yes. (laughs) We've discussed in a previous episode what the worst case scenarios were, and this was not it. This was great. Um, Look, he's he's an awesome guy. He's a high IQ, uh, intelligent. um, He's comfortable in front of the, you know, in the spotlight. Uh, He's a family guy. He's incredibly tight with his mum who raised him. Um, And, yeah, he's just... He's, an, he's a real athlete. He's going to slide inside um, and be that phone booth guard um, and just, you know, be that, be that rock in, on the inside for us. So, yeah, Jack, I'll leave more to you on the, uh, on the big O line, man. I met a traveller from an antique land who said, two vast and trunkless legs of stone stand in the desert. Near them on the sand, half sunk, a shattered visage lies, whose frown and wrinkled lip and sneer of cold command Tell that its sculptor well those passions read which yet survive. Stamped on these lifeless things, the hand that mocked them and the heart that fed. And on the pedestal these words appear. My name is Ozymandias, king of kings. Look on my works, ye mighty, and despair. Nothing beside remains. Round the decay of that colossal wreck, boundless and bare, the lone and level sands stretch far away. That, of course, is an 1818 sonnet written by Percy Shelley, named Ozymandias. And why have I chosen that to represent Zion Johnson, or as a metaphor for the Zion Johnson pick? Hear me out. Mm. Ozymandias is a bit of a bleak sonnet, um, but it's a warning to those who think that they are mighty, and perhaps their foundations are built on seeming uh, strength, but actually not. I see that as a warning, and I see the Philip Rivers era in 
the Los Angeles, well, then San Diego, as a warning to Justin Herbert and to Staley, is that even though you might be fantastic, you might be great, you might be a Hall of Fame quarterback, what actually remains in terms of the organization after you're gone? And unfortunately for Philip, it was a bit of a poor way to end his Chargers career. And I was really worried when Justin Herbert started to, you know, obviously outperform all expectations and we have possibly the most exciting quarterback in a Chargers uniform ever. That might be controversial to say. But we've heeded the warning of Ozymandias. Mm. Not only have we picked up Zion Johnson, arguably the best guard and the best interior lineman in the draft, but the year before that, we gave ourselves another protective piece in Rayshawn Slater. Mm. Yeah. So we've heard the warning of Ozymandias, I hope. And so is Telesco and the Spanos and the Spanai, the Spanoses. We have <laughs> the Spanai, whatever. But we've, heard, we've heeded the warning. And hopefully Herbert doesn't end up like Ozymandias. We have put the time and effort into protecting who needs to be protected. And from that, hopefully we have a very strong statue that we can say NFL Super Bowl champions from. Yeah, I That's hope all so. I have to say. Yeah. That's yeah. All size have to say that with one. size 18 feet. Yeah. Agreed. Unbelievable. Agreed. Well said. Lovely. All right. Well, have I just have I just completely flattened you with that with that metaphor? Have I? No, you've said it all. <laughs> all. We, 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 we love this guy. Absolutely. Um, oh. Just quickly before we go into our overall grades, which we've been developing this week since it all went down, we've added a couple of more guys through free agency. So we'll just touch quickly on Bryce Callahan, cornerback from uh, well Chicago Bears, and then Denver. Um, so with Staley, uh, when he was the O-line coach between 2017, 2018, uh, he's a smaller guy, slot corner, um, good speed. He's 31 into this season. Uh, guys, what are your thoughts on this pickup? Jack? Yeah. Um, again, this is, this is a recurring theme now, uh, with how we view signings as, as you put it so eruditely, Andrew, that we're not expecting this guy to come in and be CB2, CB1. Mm. We're expecting this, like we were Chris Harris. Chris Harris got thrust into the CB2 kind of role. Mm -hmm. We were asking him to play bulk snaps and play very, very impactful and important positions. I think Bryce Callahan slots very nicely into a CB3, CB4. Yep. We're not asking him to play bulk snaps. And if, you, if we look at it, the, the compare uh, between Chris Harris and Callahan, Callahan's got much more. And arguably, you could say if perhaps if Chris Harris came to us in this situation, he might have been just he might he might have he might have been even better than he was, which is not hard to do because mm. he wasn't great. Um, but that that's my I, th I think it's a great depth signing. It's very clever. There's a relationship with Staley. Yeah. What do you what say you, Alistair? I think the money difference is really important. Chris Harris got brought in. I think it was about ten million a year um, or thereabouts. So we paid pretty ha uh, richly for him to come across. Mm. Even though the contract details haven't been released, I'd be very surprised if this costs very much at all. Mm. It's kind of a post-draft signing, um, mm. brings all of the experience of the Staley scheme, which is another thing we like. I actually would not be surprised if he played more snaps than we think. Because, I mean, these days we run a lot of nickel and dime and he, I think he will be our starting slot corner. I think this spells trouble for Michael Davis because I, I suspect Asante is going to be that cornerback too on the outside. but. What was very interesting, and I didn't know this about Bryce Callahan, digging into his P PFF kind of snap alignment, I've always thought about this guy as a slot cornerback 
And indeed, in certain years, he did play predominantly in that position. So in Chicago, it was kind of 600 snaps in the slot, 25 on the outside. In Denver in 2020, he flipped it. He actually played 409 on the outside and Mm. 188 in the slot. So he does have a bit of flexibility, which I didn't even appreciate. So it's an even better signing when I see that. The risk with him is he has had trouble staying healthy. I think he's never played more than 13 games in a season. And last year he played only, uh, well, he played 11. That's not bad because he did hurt his knee and end up on IR in the middle of the year. So these guys over 30, there is a risk reward there. It's the reward of his experience. And he's had some really good seasons in the slot where he's one of the best guys in his position in the league. But then um, the risk is, is he over the hill? Is he slowing down? All the stuff we saw with Chris Harris Jr. Mm. But I love the signing. It's just adding more DBs to the room. And I approve of this one, Andy. Yeah, um, yeah, I like it too. Uh, <clears throat> definitely feels that role. I think you're right about Michael Davis sort of being pushed to the outer a bit. And um, I, yeah, I think there's the the shift in how we're viewing bringing in these sort of veteran free agents. And it's very similar for the next guy that I'll, I'll bring up. It was another big signing for us this week is that we're bringing in these guys to perform a, a reduced specified role rather than mm. ex- expecting... 800 snaps a year out of them and them being on the field over 75% of the time, a la Thomas Davis. Uh, Al, we talked about that the other day as the perfect example of someone who had a great career brought in. And Chris Harris is very similar as well. We respected the heck out of him when he was in Denver and was in that all decades team and and stuff like that. But you come over and they're just sort of at at the peak of the hill and you just want to thrash the shit out of them to get as much as you can out of them and it doesn't work. And I think the way that we're structuring, especially the DB room that Bryce Callahan's going to slip into, will carry extra depth in that room for special teams guys um, yep. and pull a lot of our special teams guys from that CB um, CB depth. And he, he look, he might play a little bit more if he can stay healthy, but also it's going to be completely viable if he's used in a specified role, in a, and that's in a thing, specified right? package. Because what I, what I maybe forgot is... I think in my head, we don't really have a slot corner, so I expect him to play all the bloody time. What might happen is you might see guys like Adderley getting some snaps in the slot. Mm. You might see JT, JT Woods getting some snaps in the slot. Yeah. So I, I, I'm with you, Prof. If we can manage his workload instead of the sort of 600 snaps, 700 snaps he's been playing, yeah. if we can get that down to 400, yeah. 450... Maybe he won't have that injury yeah. that he's been having every year. Yeah, absolutely. It's- and don't don't in, don't be surprised if there are new, all these different looks and uh, setups with guys being able to play different positions regularly. The versatility yeah. that we're generating in the DB room is is really awesome, and it's whoo saucy. So without further ado, I'll go on to the next guy, Kyle Van Noy, edge rusher. Oh, yeah. uh, oh wow! I, I actually couldn't believe my phone when it. It went off and you were telling me that we'd had him in the building at, you know, 6 a.m. our time and by 9 a.m. our time, he was a charger. So <laughs> very exciting and another awesome depth piece. Edge 3, experience championship experience. He's a leader. Um, Jack, what do you love about Kyle Van Noy? What, do you, what, what, is he, what does he being a charger now mean to, mean to this edge group? The first thing that I think of is yet now we've got some edge depth. Again, we're not asking him to play bulk snaps. He'll be behind arguably the best pass rushing duo tandem in the NFL. 
The one thing that I thought of is he's got experience in, you know, your amoebic fronts of what they love to say, mm. the Flores mm. stuff that he ran at um, uh, the Patriots and then at Miami. You know, he's used to the, the versatile, you know, schemes and he's used to moving around a lot. And the amount of experienced communication that brings to the younger guys and the guys that aren't so well versed in the, this amoebic style defense with lots of moving parts and trying to give different looks is it's almost you can't put a price on it and he's obviously very very intelligent he's very smart he's happy to be there obviously Staley sat down with him and just went straight away within the first five minutes like just we, we actually need this guy the way that he's talking about defense and the way he's did you hear about, what we, he said to him he said your best football is in front of you not behind yeah, you incredible Staley. and incredible. van noise listened to that and gone okay i'm signing with this guy yeah <laughs> incredible and I, th- the biggest Ooh. thing for me is just br- bringing that experience of the the bizarre and i think the the the, the really empowering defensive frameworks and models that staley wants to run which is really trying to put the opposition quarterback and the opposition oc and coach being like what what is going on here hmm. al what say you I mean, Chris Rumpf is going to be learning how to play edge from Joey Boza, Khalil Mack, and Carl Van Noy. How good is that? And he's a fourth round, really athletic pick. He might really benefit from this and become a gun. It's so Mm. good. It's each room we're building the requisite depth to really push deep into the playoffs and give ourselves a chance to sustain some of the injuries that inevitably, inevitably happen during an NFL season. And with Van Noy, you've got Super Bowl experience, former second round pick, so it's not Kyla Fackrell who's basically come in as you know a late round pick who's had one flash in a, a pan season. season. We've got a former second round pick who's played over a hundred games, won two Super Bowls, and contributed. He was a linchpin in those Patriots teams that won Super Bowls. He can play with his hand in the dirt. He's played many snaps lined up as a DL. He can play in coverage, standing back as a linebacker. He gets interceptions. He gets forced fumbles. He gets sacks. That's our edge yeah. three. Awesome. Chef's Amazing. kiss. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. A plus. Beautiful signing. Uh, So now that that's all of our players introduced in the last week, Jack, what are your, do you have an overall draft grade for us? Do you, what are your overall thoughts? Uh, What does this hall of players mean? Yeah. And I think you can be very, you can be very negative with the picks that we've taken and some people have, and some podcasts have been negative, but I think in the scheme when you look at a draft, you can't just look at the players. Hmm. If, if you're going to be a proper analyst, in my opinion, you can disagree. You have to look at the organization, what's going on, the, the wider lens. Yep. I think the free agent picks, you, you said, Alistair, I think it's an A and A plus, the Callahan and, and all the work that we did before with JC, uh, with Jackson, with Mac, all that stuff, that's, that's A plus. I think arguably it's the best free agent haul in the NFL. Yep. The draft whilst it might not seem sexy at first, and I didn't think it was sexy, uh, you could, as you could tell from my reaction, I had to convince myself about Zion Johnson. But again, that's me recalibrating my brain from like, oh, we're going to get this awesome guy that's going to do everything. And, but no, we're just getting pieces that we need to build around what we already have. Mm, yeah. And when I look at it with that lens, I give the draft um, a, a, a sort of a, a B plus into that A minus. I, I don't think I can give it a, a solid A to A plus. I think it's a B. I, I think it is a B plus more. That that's where I landed. What do you? What say you, Alistair? I've landed in the exact same spot. If A is excellent, B is good, C is average. Yep. Then I give it a in the in between a B and a B plus. Um, yes, would it have been nice if we traded back and found a way to get an additional pick? Yes, it would have. However, 
if you trust the the wise, it sounds like there weren't really any options there when it came down to our selection at 17, and we just liked Zion Johnson too much. This might end up being Telesco's best ever first round draft pick, in my opinion, because some of the other players who have fallen to him, it was an obvious thing to do. Hmm. Oh, Derwin James has fallen to me. We'll take him. Rayshon yeah. Slater has fallen to me. We'll take him. When we pe- picked at 17, there was Trent McDuffie on the board. There was Trevor P- um, Penning. There was Jermaine Johnson. There was Kai Elam. We had an actual choice to make, and I think we might have made a very smart one. Yep. So I love that part of the draft. As you said, Jack, it's when you look at some of the key themes emerging from the collections as a whole, we've got a strong emphasis on the offensive line and winning in the trenches with Spiller, Horvath, Johnson, Solia, Obonia. We've got a strong emphasis on getting much, much faster and deeper at the DB group and special teams, Woods, Taylor, Leonard. And I, I just think that was a really good, clear kind of theme that came through. We didn't necessarily address edge, but now we have after the draft. So it's why it's good to assess it all mm-hmm. as, a, as a kind of conglomerated whole. You want to see how it all fits in with the free agent moves. Um, one thing I did want to say, I mean, for the listeners who are interested in, could I think the two picks that could come under the microscope are JT Woods in the third, Isaiah Spiller in the fourth. So you tell me, listener. When we drafted JT Woods in the third, other guys who we could have taken around there were Perrion Winfrey if we wanted to pass Russia, Nakobe Dean as a linebacker, Marcus Jones as a slot corner, My J Sanders as an edge, Leo Chanel. They're the other guys. Daniel Falele, the Aussie bloke as a tackle. So if you look at those names, then suddenly JT Woods, I understand it. I think mm. JT Woods amongst that group fits as a third round pick based on his upside. When we took Spiller, why I found it a bit harder is with Spiller, we had Pierre Strong on the board, Hassan Haskins. We had a deep speed threat if we wanted Calvin Austin or Khalil Shakir. There was Tyler Algier. We had Zion McCollum, the cornerback. So in the fourth, I think there might end up being more of an argument, is Spiller a better player than some of those guys we Mm. could have had? So um, that's a very long way of saying B plus overall good draft and I understand the vision which for previous coaches I didn't know what the hell they were doing yeah they were it's, fucking chasing Brown's if, cows if, if I was giving you some advice and, and being a part of a te- being a teacher the big part of it is feedback I, I'd say probably uh, yeah more concise for the listeners sometimes please thank you thank, no worries take it on board <laughs> I'm joking for improvement I'm joking, of course oh, I'll, Andy. I'll keep this really simple and I hate to be boring but the reality is I really enjoyed writing an analysis on the draft after it happened, so at the start of the week, and then being able to come back to it and look at it with what else we've done, namely bringing in Kyle Van Noy, the edge, uh, which was probably my biggest knock on the draft itself and maybe not getting that speed-wide receiver guy. But, um, look, Telesco's done a... It's this, this, for me, is the most sensible draft he's done. We, we can't say he's slammed any of these right. picks. We love Zion Johnson. But this is a mature draft because mm. we are, he is in sync with the coach's direction and the coach's ideologies. And he's going, cool, well, we've, you know, this is what we needed to focus on and we need to beef up uh, and not overspend on the trenches and we need speed in the backfield. And we've brought in experience and leadership uh, on the edge as well. And so we're just beefing up position position groups because 
we got to win this game. We got to win games in all three phases, and that's what we're doing. Mm. We're devoting so much e- effort and energy. Um, we're ready to make a run. We're, ooh, <laughs> I don't want to say it, but I want to say it. A bit early. So good value, uh, some good value pieces in there. Some high IQ guys. Some oh, yeah. a lot of humility and humbleness in these guys. Respect, determination, grinders. The like the guys that have the warrior spirit that Staley wants. The guys that love it will believe. And he said to. Zion Johnson, the guys in this building that succeed the most are those who believe in themselves. And they're the kind yep. of people that he's bringing into this building. People that believe in themselves and believe in what we're building. And it's... Oh, um, I, I love just, it. I actually, I, I want to jack the, my, my grade up, but I, I gave it a BB plus <laughs> yeah, as well. Yeah, you got to stick to your grades. Yeah I'm, yeah, I'm saying there because, you know, like you said, the third and fourth round picks this year yeah. are... You know, boom or bust. We're still we're, the jury's still out on our third and fourths last year in McKitty and Josh Palmer. So let's give him some grace, and hopefully, I'd love to see some impact straight out. Don't forget as well, we we got Khalil Mack for our second round pick. We right. we haven't yeah, exactly. said that like, because we did touch thing, on yeah. it, and I've I've spilled the juice on Khalil Mack uh, a little too much on this show before. So <laughs> I just had to shout out there that. Technically, our second round pick went to Khalil Mack, so also hit the edge position there. Righty-roo. So in the 80s, I'm just going to jump out of the the mold of the... this segment and jump into our next one in the eighties crocodile Dundee hit the screens of America and brought the first sort of sense of Australian culture, which was a bit misguided now that we've all grown up and seen it all. <laughs> we don't ride kangaroos. We very seldom throw shrimp on the Barbie. Uh, and we'll all know the, the great line of, uh, well, Jack, you better just play it, mate, because I've got a, a bit of a story to tell after you hit this soundbite. Nick. Give him your wallet. What for? He's got a knife. <laughs> that's not a knife. You call that a knife? This is a knife. That's a knife. That's not a knife. That's a spoon. All right, all right, you win. <laughs> I see you played knifey spoony before. Ah, uh, good old fun game of knifey spoony. Now, <laughs> over draft weekend, there's always great things that happen, be it for the charges or just, you know, great trades. One team wins and takes a bevy of great picks. And we think that those were sharp as, sharp as knives. So our good things will be knives and we'll compare them to, well, the duds, the spoons. So we're <laughs> going to go around the horn starting with Jack and you can give us a, a knife or a spoon. And um, yeah, we're going to, we're going to see if you're uh, onto something or if you're trying to give us a spoon in a knife fight, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the first one I've got is, oh, I'm going to start with a negative one first. In a Chargers context, we, we are obviously going around the NFL here. We're not sticking to just Chargers, but uh, I'm going to say that this, unfortunately, is a knife for the Chiefs, a spoon mm. for us. I think they have had if one of the top drafts, if not the best draft in 2022. I had guys like McDuffie, Carl Aftis, Sky Moore, Brian Cook, Leo Chanel, and Darian uh, Kennard. Those were all guys that I was looking at and going, hey, if we, if we got one or two of these guys, that's not too bad. Uh, I think that's a, that's a spoon for us because I yeah. think they're going to be very, very effective. And I hate it that Mahomes has now got Sky Moore to throw to because he's just lost uh, Tariq Hill. So 
it's a, yeah, it's going to make me look like an idiot because I got up on my soapbox and made a big speech about you don't let Tyreek Hill leave the building. But then it depends what you do with that capital you got in re- return. And um, from that haul, they got Sky Moore, Brian Cook, and Joshua Williams, the corner out of Fayetteville State. They also got all the cap, cap space they saved from letting Tyreek Hill walk and the picks next year they haven't had yet. So that's off to a good start. People will slowly forget about Tariq Hill if someone like a Sky Moore can hit the ground running. So I, I agree. And on that topic, I thought the Baltimore Ravens, another team that just draft well all the time, they also smashed it out of the park. So it's annoying seeing these great teams getting a competitive advantage because of their drafting prowess. I'm going to stick with you, Jack, and go with a spoon as well. I think one of the biggest spoons at the moment in the NFL, and they have been basically since we started watching at the Jacksonville Jaguars. And are these spoons any chance of helping Trevor Lawrence at all? Mm. I mean, I, I get that. It looks like at least they're trying in the sense that they're spending a lot of money in free agency, right? They went Evan Ingram, we'll give Christian Kirk 20-something million a year, you know, Zay Jones over here, um, you know, Arden Key. They're throwing money at things. In the draft, okay. They decided to make Trayvon Walker the number one overall pick. High risk, high reward, boom bust type of guy. I mean, that's such a like a profligate sort of decision just to go, you know what, we're just going to throw the, throw the dice at this, see how it goes. And then they trade up at the end of the first to get Devin Lloyd. So they're trading capital to come up for a linebacker. Might end up being a really good linebacker, but is that helping Trevor Lawrence? No. And then they come back again in the third round and take another linebacker, Chad Moomer out of mm. Wyoming. And they paid um, Foye Aluakon $45 million for three years to play linebacker in free agency. So, well well done, Trent Bulky. You're going to have the best linebackers maybe in the NFL. You're going to have Devin Lloyd and Chad Moomer and Aluakon. And you're going to have the Easter Island statue, Trevor Lawrence, running around like a headless chook in his second year, arguably or potentially wasting another year of this guy's young career. So... I give you a spoon, not a teaspoon. You've got a full tablespoon, Trent Balky and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah. Andy. Eat a, eat a big spoonful of dirt, Jags. Or Trevor, because you're going to have to get used to it when you coach an organization just straight <laughs> well up said. do not want to protect you. Yeah. Tough, tough shit. Um, I will go with a spoon as well. And uh, I'm going to, I'm, I'm glad he's okay, but I'm going to get on the back of Jerry Jones, the 79 year old, who's just sort of seeming to just drop the bundle a bit, flashing his draft card. My, my spoon is the Dallas's boom or bust approach to this year's draft and off season for that matter as well, really might just jeopardize a playoff berth with a rising Philadelphia in a weak NFC East. Oh yeah. yeah. So, I like the Eagles. Yeah, I do too. And I think. There's another one I'll get to in a little bit, but it involves trading a wide receiver in the first round, and I think Philly really knocked that one out of the park with mm. with uh, with bringing in AJ Brown. So, so what don't you like about Dallas, Andy? <clears throat> well, I think that's first of all trading Amari Cooper for a fifth round pick was pretty negligent, really. Um, when you see that other wide receivers are going for first rounders. I guess that's the heat of the draft, but yep. that, I guess that's how it is. Um, the boom or bust approach to the draft really was a, a reach for Tyler Smith. Um, look, he, he can be a mauler in the run game, but yep. he's, he's unrefined, he's raw, uh, he's a penalty machine, very much a work in progress to be taking that kind of guy at a high position. Um, they do need it. They did need it, especially with Con- yep. Connor Williams leaving in free agency. 
Um, yep. I think Sam Williams, their edge rusher that they took, mm. is a pretty raw prospect as well. Um, and, and character stuff, right? <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, big time. Yeah. Big character stuff. Uh, but that's sort of Dallas, you know? Um, you, you, he's really like the ideal replacement for Randy Gregory with yeah. character nah. stuff. And uh, he's a bit kind of um, like, like Randy was when he started. There's a lot of pressure that they've put on the, uh, Deron Bland in the secondary, especially if anything mm. comes out with the Kelvin Joseph with his alleged involvement in the fatal shooting That's back right. in March. You just don't know what's going to happen with that. And look, I will give them this if it pans out. Damone Clark, where they took him, the linebacker yeah. from LSU, he might be steal of the draft if Ooh. the spinal fusion surgery recovery works out for him. <laughs> no, they did, that if. they did that with Tyron Smith, if. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So they have, them, they have the capability of doing it, and he could be the steal of the draft, but he's also their fifth-round pick or, yeah. or sixth-round pick that they've taken on a guy who slid because of injury. And when that's the, the shining light in their draft, then um, spoon. Okay. That's a big spoon. Yeah. All right. Jack, if you've got I any am... thoughts on that or if you just want to roll on to I, another I, I think the, I'm going to go straight into a – I'm going to go back to what Alistair touched on in terms of the Baltimore Ravens. I'm gonna, and I'm going to give a knife here, yeah. mm. but it's a different kind of knife. It's oh. a knife – Right in the back of Lamar Jackson from the front <laughs> office of the Baltimore Ravens. Yes. Once again, once again, Paul Lamar is left completely on the outside, completely by himself. Yes, the Ravens had a great draft, but the, the, the Twitter exchange and what, what Lamar Jackson put up on Twitter is not something realistically from an organization standpoint you want to be seeing from your premier uh, player of yeah. going, WTF, what's going on? I've lost a brother. So he, again, he's going to have to that, throw was that about Hollywood. Was that about Hollywood Brown? About Hollywood yeah. Brown, yeah. And um, you know, and I must admit, I, I, I have been up and down on Lamar Jackson, but I'm going to be really supportive of, of him here. I think he's an incredible athlete, and what he can do is 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 quite stunning on the field, almost to the point where I say I, I can't remember seeing a, a quarterback play like he does, other than perhaps a Michael Vick. And considering the Kyler Murray saga that is going on and Lamar Jackson is showing such restraint, even though things around him seem to be completely at sea, Mm. the knife is in his back from the Baltimore Ravens, but I'm also giving him a knife the way that he is acting and how he's he's trying his best when a lot of people doubted him and whether it's racism or whether it's whatever it was, you know, he was meant to be a wide receiver, not a quarterback. He's proving everyone wrong. And um, I have so much respect for him. So, yep, you've got a knife in your back, Lamar, but I, I really do hope that they can, the Ravens can build something around you. Well, maybe they're trying to help him in, in a different way. And I'm sure Eric DaCosta would say, Lamar, what we're doing is we're going back to this old school Ravens defense because mm-hmm. we're going Kyle Hamilton, Ajabo, Travis Jones, all these guys. And then we've got your two tight ends. We've got your Charlie Kohler and Isaiah Likely. And we've got Linda Baum as a center. We're going to get back to running the ball a hell of a lot. You're really good at running it and being really good on defense. That's how we're going to support you, my friend. And Lamar yeah. Jackson's going to be, okay, so I'm, I'm still running the football, am I? You're, yeah. you're not giving me anything. <laughs> yeah, okay. So, okay, you know, so, so still I got Mark the, Andrews who caught for 1,300 yards or something last yeah, year. Like, true. Still got true. it. But, but you're right. They, Rashad Bateman is their wide receiver one. Yeah. yeah. You know, but I, entering his second year. Yeah. But, I mean, you don't want your quarterback standing there going, WTF, what's going on, lost a brother, and the whole world can see yeah. it. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, at least you might pick up the phone to Lamar and go, hey, mate, just to let you know this is what we're doing. Yeah. Um, it's just a bad look in my It is yeah. a bad look. All right, all right. You, you call that a knife, Jack? This is a knife. <laughs> New York football is back on the map, yeah. baby. It has not been on the map for what seems like years. I know when we really fell in love with the sport, the Giants were good. I never liked them. I just don't like the blue and all that. I just don't like it. But, ne- but except I'm you're wearing a blue, you're wearing a blue. Wear blue, champ. <laughs> do, do as I say, not as I do. So, New York football. All of a sudden, in the one part of the country, you've got Sauce Gardner, Garrett Wilson, Kayvon Thibodeau, Evan Neal, Jermaine Johnson, Brees Hall. It's like the best players in this whole draft class all playing in the Big Apple, and it's giving Zach Wilson a chance to be uh, good in his second year. It's giving the Giants with their new regime a chance to kind of transform that franchise around, and it's giving the good, honest, hardworking people of New York City a chance to enjoy their football again at the Meadowlands, and I'm actually looking forward to it. It's been a while. They've spent their time in the doldrums, so that's my knife, New York football. Yeah, I'm completely in stride with you there. I went specifically for the Jets because I just think they're a team, the Giants have had their success and yes, Jets won a bowl fucking ages ago, but they just haven't, they've always been down the bottom of the, um, the AFC East for the most the part of us watching. And yeah, that sort of stuff. They've just, gangrene's just been a laughing stock. So what Joe Douglas Mark has Sanchez. done specifically this off season, he's keeping everyone happy. He's, He's assisting Zach Wilson and in going into his sophomore year by bringing in Brees Hall and Garrett Wilson. He's satiating Salah's defensive wet dreams by bringing in Sauce Gardner and Jermaine Johnson. Ha! Huh? Uh, and he's not... He, <laughs> and he's, he hasn't given away that much for it. So I, th- I think he's just been... He's had an awesome offseason and, uh, and a great draft. So, yeah, mm. big knife for... Um, for the Jets and New York football, as much as I hate to say it. Um, I've got, I'll go on to, I'm going to go the knife spoon of the, and I know there's a lot of people on both sides of the fence, but the, what Steve Kimes doing in Arizona and the trade for Marquise Hollywood Brown, giving away pick 23 overall that um, Baltimore then traded to Buffalo and ended up with Tyler Linderbaum as their second pick in the first round. Um, I just think that Steve Kime has made this pick emotionally. I think he's mm. now going to find himself on the hot seat going into his eleventh year or something. He's dealing with Kyler Murray, who now wants seventy million dollars a year. He's bringing <laughs> Kyler's. He's he's pandering to his every want, and I just think it's really going to backfire. Um, and seeing them trade that pick like I said earlier I think the AJ Brown pick was a sensible one Philadelphia had plenty of capital in the first round to um trade that and still you know make some good picks and it worked out well for Tennessee as well they had a good draft too but uh yeah my my knife will be Baltimore getting rid of the guy who wanted to leave and although I understand the in-house issues between Lamar Jackson and you made really good points with that Jack um, it's a business and if he wants to go get him out of the building because he doesn't want to be here. And if you're getting pick 23 for it, cha-ching. So mm. I don't know what Steve Kimes doing, but you'd think with a, a little bit of experience. Um, yeah, so I had the, the Cirque du Phoenix with Steve Kime juggling skills, <laughs> juggling skills being put to the test with all of his little diva clowns running around. Um, so that's my, my knife spoon there. I think Baltimore won. 
And I'm open if people think that Arizona won because they're getting this guy, but he's in his third year. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'll stick by Baltimore on this. Okay. I am going a spork because a spork <laughs> is a wonderful Australian invention. I'm not sure if people in the United States or across you the world know that's spork Australian is. invention? It is 100%. Okay. I do know that. Uh, I'm going with it's a hybrid, so it's a spoon fork essentially. Uh, not a knife. And you know why? I'm looking at the draft and I'm going to be honest. I didn't think the draft was a particularly exciting one. No teams really reached bar a couple. And even those reaches, I would say are safe reaches. The fun well, like came 10 in the trades trading. in the first round. What do you need? Hold on, hold on, excitement? just hold okay, on. Okay, all right, all right, hold I'll, on. I'll jump the gun. I said, I said, I said, yes, it was a little bit boring in that sense, but the trading and the, the, the maneuvering that happened in that first round was at, a, you know, kind of, I guess, filled the gap of not having the excitement of teams reaching and doing this. So I'm thinking it's a spork. It's kind of a hybrid. What I would like to see next year is the same amount of trading and maneuvering, but also some interesting picks, some interesting yeah. reaches in the first round. Mm. Screw responsibility, unless it's the Chargers. No, the Chargers need to be responsible. Everyone else, um, you know, let's see more Cole Strangers. That's what I want to see. Let's see, let, let's see more reaches to these random guys with mm. weird names that should go in the fourth round in the first round. Uh, so that's my, that's my spork. It was a kind of hybrid draft. I, yes. I wasn't super excited, but the way it shaped out, it kind of was at the end of it, but I wasn't super excited throughout. So that's my spork okay. in the knife spoon section. Alistair. Okay. I know, I, know, I now know what it feels like to get in trouble from Mr. Reed, and I've got to say I'm shaking <laughs> in my boots a bit. It's just a quick, oh, don't interrupt. And I've gone, okay, shit, sorry. I've got to <laughs> but you, made a, you made a good point, and maybe with some more sexy prospects next year, because they say it was a slightly weaker draft class. Maybe there's a bit more bang for your buck. Yeah, just one, just one thing on, on the fun stuff and, you know, wanting stupid teams to reach and take dud players it's because oakland i don't think oakland had a first uh, las vegas sorry had a first round pick so we really lucked out on too many d grades for first round picks very well said you know they're always good for it sorry fdr baby fdr baby i'm gonna um go with a little just a quick little flicky flick knife you know a flick knife when you're not expecting the knife is coming you pull the flick knife and for me it was the it was the atlanta falcons who mm. I thought had a very good draft. Smoky good draft. They're, I think they could be the worst team in the NFL this year, potentially. But then I look at their draft pick and they, you know, in the first round, you're thinking maybe they're going quarterback because Mariota's there, but they take Drake London. So it's, they're going to play some big ball with like Kyle Pitts here and Drake London there and Cordaro Patterson here. That's a few um, weapons for Artie Smith to work with over there. And then they get Arnold Abikady at the top of the second. He's an exciting edge prospect. They get Troy Anderson, the linebacker at the bottom of the mm. second. And he's a guy who's played linebacker, quarterback, running back, kind of a Taysom Hill, incredible athlete. And then they get Desmond Ritter in the third. So he's a guy who might've gone in the first round. Suddenly you get that kind of value in the third round and you're talking, we're cooking with gas here. D'Angelo Malone, Tyler Algier in the fifth. So, I mean, I still don't think they're going to be very good this year, but for, I think, Terry Fontenot, the GM over there, and Arthur Smith, they're slowly starting to, you know, create the the aftermath of Matt Ryan and what we're going to do in the future in Atlanta. And maybe next year is the one where they go for a, um, an early quarterback if mm. Desmond Ritter's not showing signs. Mm. So good on you, Atlanta Falcons. I give you guys a little flick knife yep. from uh, Al. Nice one. Andy. Um, I am going to go with a spoon 
And it is that Mickey Loomis and the New Orleans credit card philosophy is coming to an end. So what I'm giving you here is the continuation of them to sell a future capital for the need to stay relevant. He has had a great tenure. Don't get me wrong. That 05, 06 time, he really brought the Saints, kept, kept them going and, you know, got them to a Super Bowl, brought Breeze over from the Chargers and... He did some great things with Sean Payton, but he's at a bit of a loss with salary cap issues, all the need to restructure, losing Breeze, losing Sean Payton, and they've done it again. Before the draft, they moved up from 18 to get 16 and 19 for next year's first and 2024's second. Then on day one, they traded up with Washington to take Chris Olave, which was a real head-scratcher like to reach up and, and grab that. I know like the wide receivers were starting to come off the board, but you know, to give up a third and fourth round pick this year to Washington. Um, yeah, just, I don't, I, I think it's, it, they've just got to sort of start, start, start again. Um, I think that taking Trevor Penning, he'll, he'll need a big off season to step into the role that Terran Armstead's left. Uh, I think he's a penalty machine as well. Um, a team in disarray making desperate moves, like I said, in a, an attempt to stay afloat at the cost of their future, really. Um, well, so, they think they're in the window. That's what's yeah. become obvious. They actually think they can win now with Jameis Winston yeah. and a Chris Olave and Penning. Yeah. And let's so, go for it. Yeah, we'll see, how, um, we'll see how this year goes before we come full circle and they tap, tap and go again on draft day next year. Ah, very clever. Very clever, Andy. I don't think Americans right. have tap and go, but we have a really unsafe way of paying with credit card where you literally just <laughs> tap your credit card against the machine and that's how you pay for stuff. So, uh, yeah, that was my little quip on the credit card philosophy. Stuff the Saints. All right. Get out of here. Right. Let's go on. To, we've, we've, we've moved into the Chargers Economic Podcast. Okay. All right. <laughs> um, oh, I'd be no giving economist. It- I'm going to throw out a big silver serving spoon and I'm going to, I'm going to see if I can like, I'm going to be, I'm going to get quicker and quicker with each one of these ones. Okay. I'm going to give a big silver serving spoon and say that the 2022 draft class will be the weakest draft class of the 2010s. Mm. Big spoon. I'm giving a spoon to the 2022 draft class. You mean interesting worst draft class of the 2020s? Yes. Yep. Okay. Good. You said 2010, okay. so I just wasn't sure. Sorry, what you were 20. To sorry, do 2020s. Oh, I meant of, of the okay. decade. No, you might be right. Say, yeah, that's well, my it's spoon. Early. We've got I'm a long a time to wait to um to check that out. But uh, yeah, it was, we might still be doing the podcast sparse. with some luck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, if you'd anyway. said that it was going to be a really good one, I would have given you the old. That's not a knife. That's a spoon. But yeah, I can't. Yeah. Do. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe a plastic spoon. Because I just, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, or, or I'm going I'm to jump in another quick spoon for me. The Chicago Bears. Mm. I'm not sure what you're doing. I, I like the Matt Eberflus <laughs> hiring because I've really enjoyed some of the ingenuity he brings to being a DC back with the Colts and Dallas before that. He's really big on um, measuring your testing times during trainings and trying to keep people fresh. But what have they done exactly to help Justin Fields? He's entering year two. They signed like Equinemius St. Brown and Byron Pringle in free agency. And then they've taken some good players at the start of the draft, Kyler Gordon, Jaquan Brisker, but they're obviously defensive guys for Eberflus. And I'm just looking through the list and they've done one half of Sweet FA to help Justin Fields. They took Valus Jones Jr. from Tennessee in round three, who's kind of a special teams type. 
And then outside of that, it's like a developmental tackle here and a developmental center late in the draft. So if I'm Justin Fields, I'm sitting there, I'm pretty upset. Alan Robinson's left the building and you start to get the urge that maybe, you know, new GM and head coach Ryan Poles, Matt Eberflus, maybe they don't really care about helping out Justin Fields too much. Maybe they're just going to see if he can carry him all on his shoulders and they didn't draft this guy. That was the previous regime. Mm. That was um, Matt Nagy and all them. So I don't know. I give a spoon to Chicago because I just don't quite know where they're going with the draft. No, I, I agree with you. Um, yeah, they were definitely one I looked at, but I feel like they've just been smashed recently. So I'll jump in now with a knife. Uh, I think just quickly, I'm not going to go through their whole draft haul, but I think the way that uh, – Kelvin Kevin Colbert signed off his tenure in Pittsburgh by them getting hometown boy Kenny Kenny Pickett. I think it's going to be a really fun story to follow. He played for Pitt. They shared the field. He's literally moving his locker to the other locker room. Um, and the fact that they didn't need to go up, the way that they he just played that first round of his last draft really well, and I thought it was a really nice way for um, Pittsburgh to reboot their roster and sort of stay with a few things, you know, cracking a bit in Cleveland and who knows what, if the run game is all it'll be in Baltimore. Um, yeah, I really liked that. So I think th- that'll be a fun thing to follow. I don't think he's going to blow anyone out in the water, but even with the small hands nonsense, I still don't think it's going to be much of an issue him playing in the cold in, in Pittsburgh because he's, he's done it. So that was a nice little story for me. Uh, give Kevin Colbert one last little knife uh, for his time. Successful as all hell time in Pittsburgh. Good on you, mate. Enjoy retirement. I am going to give Sean McVeigh and Les Snead a beautiful, beautiful, lovely crafted samurai sword for their reactions oh, yeah. to the Patriots pick. I loved it. I thought it was funny. It was, yeah. it was intelligent. It wasn't too condescending. But I tell you what, McVeigh's reaction was fantastic. But then you know what? Screw you guys. I'm taking that off you and giving you a baby spoon because of the way you acted afterwards and went, oh, Bill, 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 we're so sorry. Pathetic. We don't know. Pathetic. Sorry, we didn't mean to say that. So yeah. screw you. You don't deserve the beautiful samurai sword. Give you back the baby spoon. Stop sucking up to the land of Bill Belichick. He's yeah, had his it. time. Love Done. Cole Strange, enjoy. That's my, that's, my, that's my one of my final ones. I've got one final wooden spoon and I'm giving it to... Derek Carr. <laughs> Derek Carr came out to introduce the draft and he's standing there and it goes right into the mic. Hey, Derek Carr, here are some facts. You've never won a playoff game. Your haircut, you look like a tosser. And you're going to turtle up this season like you do every season. You're going to turtle up like a little bitch when you look at your two daddies, Khalil Mack and Joey Boza, and you're not going to make the playoffs. Fuck you, Derek Carr, and fuck the Raiders. <laughs> oh, well, on that, Apologies I'm, for the explicit. I'm all out of cutlery too, because I ain't going to top that. I'd just be bashing Bill Belichick more. Oh, you said it so oh, well. That, that, that whole bit was cringe. FTR, man. I can't wait to smash them. Uh, it's going to be good. Well, that was, uh, that was a pretty fun little round the horn of Knifey Spoonie. Uh, we hope to see that uh, make its way back into the fold uh, as the year goes on and as the season goes on because no doubt we'll have some good moments and some bad moments and we all like arguing about knives and spoons. 
Uh, guys, thanks for, for joining us again today. Uh, we're going to take a couple of weeks off. Al and I are actually going to head over to Adelaide and spend Big Jack's birthday with him over next weekend. So oh, we're, we're going to enjoy some of uh, McLaren Vale and Barossa's finest, finest drops, uh, smash our heads together and... Get some fun ideas brewing for the rest of the off season. How we keep the sort of the dulcet times of yeah of the year, the troughs, if you will, uh, a bit more fun, and we can just really ramp up and get everyone super pumped up for the start of the season. What could be one heck of a ride? So thanks for being with us again today. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at tdu underscore andy jack. I'm at tdu underscore jack, and on YouTube and Alistair. At TDU underscore Alistair, you can find us at, at TDU underscore Charges. If you're enjoying what you're doing, by all means, on Apple Podcasts, throw us a rating and leave us a review. Engage with us in the comments, and we're having a lot of fun with you guys. So thanks so much for giving us this okay. platform. Yeah, yep. thanks, thanks so much for your support, guys. It's, it's amazing. It's, it's super, super amazing. Yeah, I, I follow those sentiments. We'll see you again next time from the Thunder Down Under podcast. No Charges. See you guys. What's up, baby? Awesome. Let's go. Firing, he's got Floyd turning, got it, six and ten, five, high step, touchdown, San Diego! Woo-hoo, woo-hoo, woo-hoo. Woo! Good night! Good night to all!